Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. It takes a long time to learn to trust yourself. When I say trust yourself, I mean that you're that you're in the heat of the moment and you don't panic and you don't default to somebody else's pattern and somebody else's way of doing things. But you pause, you close your eyes and you think and you allow the answer to come to you. When I'm coaching, I mostly don't know what the next question is. And at that moment, I'm almost like a kind of a cipher letting the, letting it come through me. When I play tennis, I don't know where I'm going to hit the next ball because I'm, I'm trusting that, that this system called a human being has integrated all the learning and all the skills and in that moment with a clear intent if i take the brakes off and trust myself i'll do the right thing this is miles downey he is an authority on performance coaching and leadership he was the founder of the school of coaching that for many years has been a much respected provider of coaching training and executive coaching in the uk and across europe Miles is also an author of three books, Effective Modern Coaching, Effective Coaching, and Enabling Genius, A Mindset for Success in the 21st Century. In this episode, we talk about Miles' incredible journey in coaching and leadership development and how he came to write three books, his purpose and how he works with clients to unleash their potential, or as Miles would put it himself, unleash their genius. We also talk about how the expectations of work are radical changing from top-down control and command to actually more involvement in an ever agile world. Miles also shares his thoughts on what great leadership looks like today and how your leader can achieve better clarity and alignment with your team and the direction you need to take together. We also discuss how leaders can get more out of their people by focusing on their inner work and much more. Before you tune in, please sign up for our weekly newsletter, Maverick Talk, via hospitalitymavericks.com. You'll find much more insights into what Maverick leaders know and do, and you will never miss an episode. Now grab your notebook and pen and coffee. This conversation will help you become a better leader if you put miles insights into action i've been uh, reflecting a lot before today's conversation because miles is my guest he sent me a book before this conversation and we had a couple of conversations and it's called the enabling manager and being being a manager and also been a manager for since i was about 18 years old working at mcdonald's um you can still learn things and there's like lots of things to, to grow and evolve. And then, and Miles, he's put in all the, like my, my best hitters in this book. So I'm really going to be exciting to dive into this because 
I believe there's no more important time than in difficult times, as many who listen to this podcast are, or we are in the world, we need to start within ourselves and within our leadership and management capabilities, actually, to find some of the answers to the difficult questions, or actually setting our business up to being able to react to that. So I will not say any more, but... Uh, head over and welcome Miles to the show, and thank you so much for for joining us today. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. So, Miles, uh, for people that hasn't been that lucky yet to grab the book, The Enabling Manager, uh, uh, and don't know about you, your work, and your story, could you could you share like the the the, the milestone of that and how you became a, an author, an expert in leadership and management? It goes back a long way. The the, the first moment was um, I, in my youth. I was a, a relatively good tennis player. And when you work out that I'm Irish, you'll also understand what relatively means because there was no coaching and no training and um, no support. But I, I, you know, tennis has always been a big part of my life because it's a kind of a laboratory in which I can explore myself and how I respond to pressure and make changes. So it's been very interesting. But in, I, I was in my... Uh, early 20s, I was studying architecture in Dublin, and I came upon a book called The Inner Game of Tennis by a guy called Tim Galway. And the remarkable thing about that book was that was his suggestion that learning is innate. That it, so he made a distinction between learning and teaching, um, and and that, that 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 helping people learn is more productive, uh, more long lived, more enjoyable than shouting at people. Um, and, and and so the book was was for me seminal, and had me leave my first job as an architect and move from Dublin, Ireland to London to train as an inner game coach, and that morphed then into um, uh, over time into realizing that the skills that I was learning on the tennis court I could actually use in golf and other sports, and then realizing that there was an application in business, and in London joined with a group of like-minded people um, and we developed a I was a I was a, an amoeba a very junior member of a team that set up the first coaching consultancy and we were absolutely blessed by having McKinsey the global strategic management consultancy as one of our very early clients and in order that 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 organization didn't spit us strange people out they, they gave us an induction. So I went through an induction as if I was going to be a McKinsey consultant. Hence, learning about business and how to consult and how to show up in as a consultant. Incredibly valuable. Um, and then uh, at, a, at an early age, not just doing coaching and, and the consulting that goes with it, but also training others to coach, set up a business called the School of Coaching. Uh, which is one of the first places you could train as a coach. Um, we trained the management population, and that that strand culminates in the Enabling Manager book. Uh, and we also trained professional coaches. And it was out of that, those sets of activities, a bit of a reputation, somebody asked me to write the first book. Um, and um, the joy of that, without being too egotistical, is that I still find people with that book um, when I go to a conference and it's it's almost falling apart with their notes and their use and they asked me to sign it and it was published more than 30 years ago the first and it's been in publication since then um, 
uh, the, then other books came. The, the, there was another one called uh, Enabling Genius, and I'll, I'll probably stop when I've said about that. The, the, the thing about Enabling Genius was that some of my clients were asking me to, to really push them. And I felt that my skills of simply calling out from them their own answers to their situation and to their what was simply not enough. That that's technically called non-directive, where you don't direct the person; they kind of self-direct and they come to their own insights. Incredibly powerful, um, but, it, but also not quite enough. And that I had to be able to support them as they they reached for the outer edges of their potential. And that became a project. So I pulled together about 15, 20 people um, kind of from all over the uh, UK, Europe, um, and in, in fact, also including some Russians when, when that was possible. Um, and we had a wonderful time. And that resulted in the book called Enabling Genius, which uh, is, as it kind of says on the front, the notion... Then the, the, the genius idea comes from the observation that if you say to people, you know, everybody has potential or you have potential, you can you can send them to sleep. No, nobody's listening to that anymore. You say you have genius, you either inspire them or make them angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- I mean, those are, those are the really big things that 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 have um, that kind of shape the way in which I, I think and work with people. And. Um... So the work you do today is is still in the the coaching arena. You still work with companies, individuals, on you know, no, it, you know, in, enabling their genius. Let's stay in that that lingo. I was yeah. almost saying potential. <laughs> no, 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 there you go. <laughs> yeah. So so that the and and I and the the fun thing has been the enabling genius book was published um, five or six years ago. Uh, and it's only in the intervening years that I've really learned what it means in practice. So since then, and um, I am having so much more fun with the people I'm working with um, because because I, I think they are, they are they are finding they can express themselves more in their jobs, be more authentic, be more truthful, be more self-expressed, uh, and as a consequence, having greater impact. Um, and that's. So it's it's yeah the coaching has become significantly more enjoyable and rewarding not just for me I'd say um, and that's been really special in the last few years. What is like uh, the you know because it seems like on a very early stage in your career you made a, a really big shift from being an architect to into this world. It's like two different worlds. I see. Like what 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 is it that in in do do you know? Do you have a clear mission, purpose, vision? People call it different things. But what like what is like your calling? We can also say what is like the end goal. So so the so the yeah what a question. The the kind of the 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 the, the vision has changed many times. You know, establishing a school of coaching, establishing my own coaching practice, and what that means. I'm I'm, I'm living now in in Norfolk, uh, in the kind of east of, of England. And I'm beginning to think, how do I make a difference locally? Because I've worked globally for years. So that maxim that says, uh, think globally, act locally, I'm beginning to, so, so there's a vision there. But underneath all of that, the thing, and I, and I cannot tell you why this is important to me, but it can almost cause tears, is, Helping people 
stand in their own two shoes, to inhabit their own authority. Authority is a strange word. Um, if you if you go back to the, the root of the word uh, of authority, it goes back to an, a Latin word, octum. So we have this idea of authority as something kind of stern, like the policeman on the corner of the road who's who's in charge. And actually, octum, the root, means to produce, <laughs> to make happen. Um, and so I, I want people to inhabit their capacity to be creative and to produce and, and to and to express themselves in the world. And, and, and for me, there is nothing more important than that. It's super interesting what you're saying there, because like, um, I've been reading a book over the summer by a guy called Ryan Holiday, and it's called Obstacle is the Way, and actually it takes out in history, but especially in, in the stoic, stoicism, the whole thing that actually obstacles will come, and they're just part of life. And actually, you need to be ready for it. And what you're talking about is helping people be ready for when that moment comes or to seize that moment when it comes. Uh, I think that's a really, really, really deep. And uh, because that's that's a never, you know, it's a never ending project. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not like a goal. Like you, there will be people that need that help to be, especially in the times we're now. Like it's, it's very difficult to stand on both your feet all the time. Very difficult. So you need the support network, the mentors, the friends the, the, around you that allow that to happen. And you you need that thing, which is, or you're, it's like, I, it was one way you can call it is a growth mindset. So Carol Dweck's book on growth mindset is pretty interesting to read on that. But and something we'll talk more about, and maybe in this call, is um, if you have worked to develop a clear sense of who you are, and 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 I mean quite profoundly, and to kind of to give that entity a name and 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 make it live. Then, when the proverbial shit hits the fan, you have got somewhere to stand. You can you go back to, no, it's this, and from there I can act, rather than being battered by the the kind of waves of change and disgruntled employees and disgruntled clients that assail us. I don't, you know, so it's such an important thing. Yeah, and it comes back to that, you know, the inner work we need to do as individual, or even if you're managers and not leaders, we're all, we all leading in, in some kind of way, I believe. And I think for myself, it didn't really clock before. It was probably about 35 episodes in or something like that. I interviewed somebody that talked about I read every morning the Daily Stoic. I thought, what the hell is the Daily Stoic? I'd never heard about these people. And actually, you go back, leadership and managing yourself has been a discipline since Marcos Aurelio's further back, Seneca and so on. Um, and you start reading that stuff and it's actually quite deep and uh, difficult in the beginning really to get your head around. But then when you start practicing, and that's really been my help because what I learned very quickly is what you just talked about before was that these people were in so much, you know, headwind that you can't obstacle after obstacle, plagues, wars, uh, losing their their loved ones, uh, but they were still standing there because they knew their whole mission of being here was to get the most out of it, actually making a positive impact. It doesn't mean they were not feeling sad. It didn't mean feel they couldn't feel discouraged, but they had tools to get up on their feet again because they knew if I can't take action, it's game over. 
in a way. Um, yeah, so I just got a bit sidetracked there. I just thought... No, it's such, good. So, yeah. Well, to take the sidetrack for it's all its value. So when I'm working with, with people as a... Uh, I don't call myself an executive so much, an executive coach so much as a leader performance coach. So I'm interested in working with the person to help them deliver the results they need to deliver. And two things, two conversations that I almost inevitably have is who who are you? What's your unique individual genius, your identity as a leader? And that gives them a place to stand. But the other one is, and what's the direction of travel? Because the other thing that, that some I read somewhere recently, and I can't play, put my finger on it, was the the anxious man is a man without a plan. So if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a direction of travel, you you, you, you can't reorientate yourself. So those two things, knowing who you are and having a direction of travel clearly in front of you in your own mind, invaluable in, in hard times. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely come back in a second to the uh, the alignment, but also the plan bit, which I think is super interesting uh, because also we did a piece of work in Hospitality Mavericks where we looked into what Maverick leaders do and know and <laughs> clarity of direction was one of them on the inner and the business journey. Uh, um, so so we take your work and we, we already dived a bit into it, but like what is it that, that makes your approach unique and different from, you know, that's, 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 I don't know, that's probably, I wouldn't say millions, but ten thousands of management books out there and management approaches and coaches and so on. What is like really that you believe that makes the way you work with things and the way you think about it? So it's about, it's fundamentally about trust. And trust starts with trust in self and then moves to trust in others. So the, the capacity to trust oneself is, is, a, is a, a long and hard fought game because, um, it's not something. It's not. A, it's not. It's not like you, know, you. You listen to the odd thing on Instagram, and somebody says, you know, you know, you know I learned to trust myself. It's like, oh no, you didn't. You just made that up, and it's nonsense. It takes a long time to learn to trust yourself. And when I when I say when I say trust yourself, I mean that you're that you're in the heat of the moment, and you don't panic, and you don't you don't um, you don't default to somebody else's pattern on somebody else's way of doing things, but you pause, you close your eyes and you think so, and, and, and you allow the answer to come to you. When I'm coaching, I mostly don't know what the next question is. And at that moment, I'm almost like a kind of a cipher, letting the, letting it come through me. Um, when I play tennis, I don't know where I'm going to hit the next ball because I'm, I'm trusting that, that this system called a human being has integrated all the learning and all the skills, and in that moment with a clear intent, if I take the brakes off and trust myself, I'll do the right thing. But that it takes, you know, and I, I can't do that all the time, believe me. Um, but that's, I think that's the game, and I think that's what shows up when I speak or when I'm with people or coaching somebody. It's I have more trust in them than they have in themselves. And and I think that when you when you translate, when this translates into 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 a manager's hands, uh, and the, as in the book, the enabling manager, and and they bring coaching in to bear on their the people they're working with. What 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 emerges that can only work if there's a trust based relationship. 
So I, I think it's I think it's that thing. It's about it's, it's about back to authority, believing in people's capacity to to inhabit their own authority and to express themselves from there, um, and um, and and the trust thing. It's a really interesting thing you said because we always say we need to people need to trust us. But sometimes we also need to turn that look in the mirror and say, do I actually trust that person in the mirror? And I think lots of founders and CEOs, when you're listening in now, you'll probably be thinking that you had taken a long time to get to that point, as you said, and you're not there yet because that's a novelty that you are. You can maybe look like you're all cool game, but there's like a horror show going on yeah. inside. Because you you don't really trust trust yourself enough yet. I I definitely have those moments where I think, <laughs> okay, oh, uh, yeah, oh good, yeah. And I think there's a distinction, Michael, here, which is, and, and this may not work for everybody, but you know, I, when when I stand on a tennis court, uh, and on a tennis court, the the your job in part is to put up obstacles for your 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 opponent to overcome. Um, and so when 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 a match gets tight. Then, then that trust—it's not so much—it's not so much trust in me because it, you know, trust it, because I'm you know fallible like anybody else. But what it is is it's trust in my game, and and there's something about allowing myself that little bit of distance. You, I know I'm an asshole, <laughs> so I don't have to worry about trusting that. But I trust my game. I trust how I show up. I trust how that that the strategies and tactics come out express and, and, and get expressed and that's that for me makes it makes it it, it adds that edge of humility into it i think which can be missing uh, particularly in a maverick entrepreneur kind of person sometimes can you tell us a bit about you know the typical clients leaders you work with and you know some of the you know the breakthroughs that happens once in a while i, I guess that some of them start to trust themselves a bit better that's like the ultimate but like would you would you share that so people just get an understanding on who is actually engaging with you and what are they achieving so 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 the the joy is that i i work with senior people in consulting practices um i i, I work with senior people often leaders in kind of large companies Uh, and then the people who are um, in in startups or smaller businesses, and you know, so it's it's quite a broad spectrum of people doing you know, people one or two people that I work with pro bono in charities. So then you know, and all, and I'm and I, I think I'm lucky that I have that span of thing that I'm not every day within large organizations working with you know, white men of a certain age who wear badly fitting suits. It's, it's, I, I got, I got variety. Here's a, one of my favorite ones was, was uh, working with a, a woman and it started about seven or eight years ago where she was in a financial um, business here in the city of, in the city of London. And she, it was clearly misogynistic. She was clearly being overlooked. Um, she had been given a brief, but then she wasn't given the resources to execute it. Um, and, The first job was to get her out of that place, and and there were a number of of steps that occurred. But as we were working together, the vision emerged that she wanted to set up a, uh, a private equity firm for um, uh, family family offices, so you know families that are, are wealthy. Um, and the joy has been to see her uh, 
get the jobs that that got her the reputation, the, the the profile that allowed her to put together a group of people who were willing to invest in her to build that. There's now a team of I think about ten people uh, working in that. I won't say where it is, um, but it's 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 a it's an incredible thing to work with somebody like that. And when I say leader performance earlier, but that's what I I'm interested in in coaching is that's that was that I I helped this person have the create the vision that has meaning and purpose in it and and it's there it's 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 out there in the world and I, you know and and i'm lucky to get those kinds of jobs they're fun if i can if i can uh work with some the, the question that i ask people that i want to work with is or the question that i'm seeking an answer to even if i don't ask them is what's what's the job here what are we here to do because too much of the world of coaching has become about nurturing and developing people, having people better people. I, I care deeply about that. I was going to say, use a very Irish word. I don't care about that. But it, of course I care about that. But it's not the game. If you're in business, you're not in business to be a better person. You're in business to deliver results. And, I, and, that, and so I'm, that's the version of coaching that I love. And that's what I, they're, they're the things I ask to do and I tend to accept. Um, Miles, it's really interesting you, what you said up to now because I think it takes us down to the questions also because I, I really would like to have your definition of leadership or we can also call it management. It's up to you, you know, skills versus role. I also there's so many, you know, different acronyms thrown around leadership and what it is and so on. And, and you work with all these incredible people and how do you define it? Exactly. Are they actually... Is the leader a manager, or are you actually a leader and a manager at the same time? So I'll come back to the leader and manager at the same time because that's such a good question, and and there's there's such an important answer to it. Um, I'm I'm kind of, if I if I'm honest, I'm I'm slightly loose about those 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 distinctions and definitions. Um, I I think the simplest way of thinking about a leader is is the person who marshals the resources, the people to deliver the result. So, so the, the way around that I have it is I'm not having people conform to a model of leadership. Rather, I'm saying to them, so, so hold on, my friend, what is it? What, what's the result you have to create in this organization or this business unit or in this startup or whatever it is? What's, what's the result we're looking to create in whatever the time frame is? And you get real clarity about that. And then you say, okay, so what's your role in delivering that? So it, it, it gets beyond the, the, the kind of the academic or intellectual distinctions. And the person gets, you know, will get, and it'll, and it'll be different. Uh, one of my clients the other day, he's moving into a relatively stable organization with lots of systems in place um, and an American organization, very sales led. And he's young, but he's been given the, uh, the charge of the team to open up in the rest of the world. Americans sometimes think like that, America and the rest of the world. He's, and he's based in the UK. And and he's part of, of what he needs to be because he's got senior people and junior people, experienced people, and less senior people in, in his team, is the heart of his, not, not the heart, but very close to the heart of his understanding of himself as a leader, is as a teacher. So his job, he's, as he sees it, is to help these people to learn to do their stuff 
and be as, as good as they can be in their roles. That's the primary part of his job. But it, and that comes out of who he is, but also comes out of what the, the requirement in that business is. If he can get those guys performing, they'll hit their goals. And so, so, so I'm trying to describe another way around of, of thinking about the definitions, which is, no, 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 what's the requirement given the objective here? Um, and, and, and occasionally what you find out is that the person doesn't have all those skills. So the next question is, so how do we, how do we backfill on that? Okay, I need, I, need, I, need a, I need a chief operations officer or, a, you know, I need a really good um, personal assistant. Or, so you, you, you yeah. Well, well the, also coming back to the, uh, the, the I, I put a, a second question in there, like, are we as, you know, leader managers, are we, are we both, even if we don't want to, some people say I'm a leader and others say I'm a manager and some, some people say it's, it's the same thing. It's just different hats you put on in different times uh, within your team. What is, what is your view on that? So I'll, I'll, I'll come to it in a slightly certain when when I was thinking about writing the Enabling Manager book, I was I started looking at organizations that really, really have to have their people perform to a highest highest level. And you start going to you start you end up in strange places. You know, um, entrepreneurial organizations, startups, particularly kind of the more mature ones where you're burning somebody else's money. You can't mess around. You've got to have your people up and performing quickly because 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 of the money thing. The other one that's interesting is the army. Um, because the consequences of not having people operating um, at the upper reaches of their potential, their genius, are horrific. And the question that both organizations needed to kind of answer is, how do you give people enough freedom to operate? Because when things are moving that fast, you can't control everything. So old-fashioned command and control doesn't work in those environments. And yet it's still what we default to. Most managers default to saying, listen, sunshine, do this. They, they default to command and control, whereas and it just it just so so mission command within uh, the U.S. Army is is a fantastic example of that. And if you start breaking it down, there are one of which is uh, the big thing they talk about is trust. So we've got that as kind of the foundation of everything. You you set a context so that people understand the why why this is important because if I if that's shared between uh, my boss and me then I've got the parameters within, within, within which to make a decision. So that, and that for me is that why is understanding that context is about being a leader, making sure my team understand in the, in the world of, a, uh, of an entrepreneurial startup, it's, um, uh, and we might want to say more about this, it's making sure that people understand the primary business objective day to day. And then, so there's, the, 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 so there's that piece, which the, the lead, the why piece. There's another piece, which is I call the what piece, which is the manage. So you've got to also understand exactly what your role is. So you need to, if you don't understand what the role is, you, you can't execute. And then the third piece is a coaching piece, which is the how. So you've got why, what, and how, lead, manage, coach. And, and if you know what it, why what you're doing is important and the context that gives you a capacity to make decisions to 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 innovate, uh, if you know what is expected of you in terms of delivery, and how you're going to go about it, you're set. If you take all those things away, if you don't know why it's important, if you don't know what's expected of you, and you haven't a clue how you're going to start, you are that other Irish word again. It's just 
it just doesn't work. So, so I my the, the the point is that for me to answer your question is 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 everybody who's responsible for others needs to be lead you know to lead, manage, and coach and create trust based relationships. In different parts of your career, lead, manage, coach, you'll probably emphasize those more than others. You know, one of those may be to the four. You know, the, the CEO of a large business probably doesn't do all that much coaching. Gives totally sense uh, what you're saying because actually what you're saying is that although as you go through situations and you know progressing into to you know a new role, you talk a lot about when you progress in, especially in from from your first leadership role to the next role, you're actually leaving something behind and doing something new. There's like new skills, like from a, a just how you manage people and how you need to communicate and what you can spend your time on and how much time you have actually to coach every individual employee. And yeah, you're actually learning other people to do what you did before in principle, as you said before the teacher, um, you also mentioned a bit about command and control and you write about it in the book as well. We're going from, you know, command and control, which works in certain situations. I think the army is a great example that just some things needs to be done this way for the safety of you but also for the safety of the mission um and then we're working into a world especially with the pandemic hit the hybrid working model where it's more about enabling and uh, alignment between people uh, you actually almost need people to become leaders of themselves and i think i i believe we we are still in that transition and we that's been, i think we talked about since i went to business school i was like when we talked about open space technology and the ability to build an organization like plant parts and the spaghetti organization by Lars Colin and so on, where, where coaching was essential and you were leading yourself. But where are we on that journey? Because some people would say, no, it's not that. Yeah, well, that's definitely not having my organization still very heavy, top down, uh, very little, little in, engagement or enabling going on. Yeah. I, and yeah. And that's, that's, the unfortunate truth. There are some organizations that take it quite seriously. There are, um, there, are, and I think lots of organizations are on that journey. I, I, the, and, 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 and many have been on that journey for 20, 30 years. Uh, but a, a number of things have caused the, the, the landscape to change, one of which is people who are Kind of millennials, Generation Z, they, they don't they don't understand why somebody should tell them what to do. Quite rightly, um, so it becomes increasingly difficult to play out a command and control um, uh, game uh, in in with the current population in the work. The, the the real problem is that the people who are in the senior most positions are kind of fifty five plus years old. Um, and 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 we, we we you know when 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 the, when the younger generation come in and replace those, I think that's I think we're going to see a seismic shift. Um, I I I think that once we also once we learn that to manage the working from home, working remotely, I think because it's not it's it's not for everyone. It's not for every organization, and each you know everybody will do it in the way that works for them, but. What that calls for is actually to make that work. You have the lead, manage, coach. They have to be even more present. So, so you, you, you know, when somebody's working remotely, the, the thing that managers fear the most is they don't know what somebody's doing. In the past, they could peer over their shoulder and kind of have a look and check. 
or you know, or, or, or just check their timesheets or whatever it was. Um, you can't do that in the same way. So you've got to have better relationships. You've got to have clarity of of the what, the manage. You've got to help people understand why things are important. And then you coach them so that between this meeting and the next meeting, they know what they're going to do. Um, so, but there's a long way to go. But I think those two things, I think working from home and, and more people doing that and, and and management learning how to respond to that and the fact that we've got a different generation, two different generations at least of people in the workforce right now changes all of that. Yeah, Miles, I think in general that's, you know, most generations actually would like to have that. Uh, that's, <laughs> yes. But that's my own experience, uh, having yeah. managed older people and where I came in and said, so we need to figure out the plan. And first they were absolutely, what is the man talking about? He should be the man with the plan. Said, no, we, we, we create the plan together. I know nothing about this area. Let's create it together. And actually, and I saw how like they actually found their, you know, the new purpose in their career, even though they were maybe in the last five years and the wisdom they could bring to the team. And suddenly they started to give that away because actually they felt they were allowed to lead again. Um, it's quite powerful, powerful stuff. And, they were probably, and they're probably most of the, the the two most valuable members of that team, you know, uh, because the wisdom is a bit like you know you you dust off the the old play, uh, the old football player that everybody has forgotten about, and you find the right role. Like uh, they they brought back, you know, uh, Michael Jordan was actually you know said he would never come back, and Phil Jackson got him back, and made him play the game of life because suddenly he became from a individual to become a team player with the wisdom he, he's been doing. And Phil Jackson, 11 Rings, is a great book from, from what you talked about just as well, where Phil Jackson talks about his teaching culture and it's about fulfilling the individual's potential and getting the team together. Um, uh, you talked, we talked a bit about in the beginning as well, that clarity of the why or clarity of purpose and direction and importance of this in a fast-moving world. And there's been a lot of talk about this, like in leadership. But, um, how do you do this as a leader? How do you get really, really good at this? Because there's no doubt about the way the way we work, the way the, the, the agility that's needed in the world, the obstacle that's constantly thrown us as a business leader. We really need to be really strong on this because that's what we hang every decision on. And that's how we keep people together. So, so one context is king. So people, you have to be clear about the context. You need to um, make sure that that's shared and understood. But that within that, and this is this is one of you know having been within a um, within a startup and watching you know kind of coached in startups for a while. When things are moving that fast, there needs to be clarity about the primary business objective. And so there's a discipline, uh, and I won't pretend to be brilliant at this, but I you know I'm, I. I'm frequently coaching the, the people I'm on, and it's it's as it's as much about intuition as it is about kind of raw intellectual horsepower in identifying it, but but having clarity about that that primary business objective, um, and what that means then is that as that leader, let's say that they're in charge of a, a unit with numbers of people in it, they can go around and they can they can you know walk the old-fashioned management by walking about. They can, you know, and they stop by somebody and they say, "So, you know, what, 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 
what are you doing? And they, the person says, great. So how, and how does that contribute to the primary business objective? And if it doesn't, in the world of startup, do something else. <laughs> because if you don't, so, so it is, it, it's, it's an overly simplistic answer for a profoundly difficult thing to do. But the, it starts with the habit and the discipline of having that primary business objective and making sure that as the world shifts, you communicate how the, that objective has shifted and changed. Yeah, and you refer to in your book, like again, like you know, taking the you know one thing is the, the purpose of where the business is going, and on, another thing is how you make it into a business objective. And you refer to OKRs, which is have become one of my favorite tools, especially as I left the the corporate world. Suddenly, work with very small businesses and running my own, and and actually how that actually helps teams to get on the same page, and actually how you actually get more ambitious. And focused with your objectives. Uh, how many leaders do you see using that tool? Because John Doerr's tool is not is not is not new. It's not like uh, it's actually from the seventies, I think it is from Intel's time. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting question, which is you know, we, you know, you know, much as I enjoy thinking about the things that I then write and, and continuing to reflect on them and and making sense of it all, uh, there's, there is nothing new. Um, and, and, and we kind of do know it all. So actually almost the more interesting question is what, what stops people from really, really being the leader they can be? Um, so it, 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 I, I, what, what it really comes down to, I think, is that there's a, there's a and it's an understandable thing. There is, when people are under pressure and, and even moderate pressure, they, what they default to is is doing. So they, they get their hands dirty, uh, and they and they and what happens is they forget the management process. The I and I, I don't care what it is because you, but you need to you, but it needs to be there and it needs to match the needs of your people and your organization in that specific time. So if it's if it's um, you've had a regular one on one meetings with your team on a fortnightly basis in which you. You review what's happened, you review objectives, and you uh, review how the context is and what the primary business objective is, and, and then you finish with, so is there anything that you're uncertain about that you might need some coaching on? It's like that that conversation is so often forgotten. I mean, I, I know myself that when I'm when things are crazy, I stop making my action plan. I mean, it's the stupidest thing that you can do. It really, really is. Particularly, you know, I'm 63. I'm getting on a bit. I, COVID hit me badly. My attention to detail is crap, and I don't write an action plan. I mean, it's like, and, and it's exactly the same thing. If that process isn't in place, so for me, uh, beyond the particular uh, approach or 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 um, way of thinking about it, it actually comes down to spending even a short amount of time making sure that your team, each individual is clear and confident about what they have to do. Quite interesting to say, Miles, because I've always been very obsessed since my early days as a manager. I found out there was some manager in my team in, in the McDonald's restaurant where some of them, they were delivering very good results and others were not. And one of them, I noticed a couple of them definitely did very good results. It was actually there. They actually reflected. They actually spent time reflecting before they started the day and after. And I have then since taken that on board. So I probably changed my practice where I'd be more operational before now. 
it's more about what's going on in me in the morning and also what are the i call them frogs uh what are the four frogs i need to 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 eat today and if i'm the top leader somebody else need to help me execute them and therefore i can be very clear on the daily level what the action plan is um and i think and then i end the day as well assessing have i actually done these things and uh and that makes me i think reflect and then i have you can't see but on the back side of the screen is my okrs for 2022 the objectives of all areas of importance in my life and therefore i i know if i'm not in this room i will know i'll be in this room within a week i will know i'm actually progressing towards them and i delivering into them and i think a lot of people just doing simple things to that like that and it doesn't have to be hugely complicated what you do is uh, but it just keeps you as you say aligned and i and i've noticed myself as well when i get busy i do exactly the same you forget to do your your routines and what really keeps you on track and that's actually where you start to become a bad leader because people can feel that that you are not on top of yourself and and you and you're just doing for the sake of doing um what is uh, what do you view in your view the biggest challenge for leaders right now? There's a lot to them in the world, and um, but but right now for for leaders in general in the workplace and to get that working at the best possible way. I think I would have had a, a slightly different answer if we weren't in this in the in the times we're in where people are, um, uh, where pe- so many people in the world of, you know who are at work are not making enough money despite being in work, to pay their bills. Um, and um, I did a, a beautiful thing many years ago. I helped um, a guy in uh, Goldman Sachs um, build up the, uh, a backroom office in Hong Kong um, because that was where they felt they, how they could best serve Asia Pacific. So we, we, I was down there once every six weeks for a week for about three years. And we successfully built up a really strong um, backroom function. Um, and one of his goals, by the way, was that when he looked around the table, there would be no um, expats. They would all be Hong Kong Chinese. or um, and, and he got there with one exception, which was that there was an Australian who joined the team. But it, it was you know, from the region. So we kind of let ourselves away with that. Love, lovely, lovely goal. Very clear goal. Um, but there became a point where the, the, the powers that were at that time within that firm decided that no that the the um the this particular backroom function needed to move to india now if you go down into 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 hong kong and hong kong chinese people there is a huge amount invested in the status you get from being with a, a good employer it's really really important to, to, to people the you know, beyond what I could really get my head around, really important. And here were these people being told that within six months, they were probably going to be out of a job. And the guy I was working to said, um, uh, we, will, we, will, we, will, we will run this down, this part of the business down and, and set up the Indian operation. But I will do this in such a way that nobody here loses their dignity. And it was such an incredible thing. He actually set up, or, or, and I helped him set up, a safety committee within the organization, which was designed to make sure that nobody was struggling and, uh, and 
there was at that time British Airways had let go an awful lot of staff, and one manager who's who'd fired a whole number of people committed suicide by jumping out of a building. So it was actually very present in the consciousness. Um, so, but this safety committee was about making sure that nobody lost their dignity and nobody, you know, became, you know, if they were got depressed, that things were put in place and nobody, you know, whatever else. So it was unbelievable that they were investing time in this. And, and I, I think that the primary job for lots of people right now is making sure that their team are as, as, as functioning as they can be as human beings, that they're supported and loved and helped in whatever way they can. And sometimes that's just simply about listening and, and acknowledging because there isn't always that much you can do. But I think that if you want to keep your businesses running, keeping your, your, your people healthy and, and sane uh, in, in this time is just so critically important. Yeah, I think that was a very, very uh, good answer because... It's also a difficult one because, as you said, there's not much you can do. But listen is actually a quite powerful thing because that maybe will just people lifting things off their chest. Uh, it could be private. It could be economically, as you said. And it is people working. I think, you know, we all feel the pressures. Uh, um, uh, so so where did you actually give you get your inspiration from, Miles? Because uh, you're... You must like what keeps on driving you. What is like the number one inspiration? Do you have like a role model? Do you have like a, a source of energy you go to? Gosh, no. Maybe I should. I have had role models. Uh, Tim Galway was really important to me, the author of The Inner Game of Tennis, um, and we became great friends. Um, and I've worked with some extraordinary people over the years, one or two coaches that I trust and enjoy. Um, uh, um, I've even had one or two conversations with Eddie Jones, the, um, the head coach manager of the English rugby team. Uh, so there, there, it's not that I'm, I'm an entirely an autodidact, but it is, it is, I'm, I'm, I'm profoundly reflective. So I set up experiments and projects that allow me to, to learn. So, you know, the enabling genius, I, I deliberately set that up with other people so that I would learn from it. And, and within it, I set myself a project, which was to reinvent myself as a tennis player. Um, and, and that, that's now kind of, you know, I'm, I'm six or seven years down the road with that. I'm, I'm actually beginning to become the tennis player that I could have been if I'd had coaching when I was 18 years old. Um, uh, I'm hitting. The, I, I I was capable when I was in my early twenties, just about of standing on the tennis court with people ranked at the top end of the top hundred in the world. So I could get, I could keep the ball going, and I had the right kit, so I could look like I knew what I was doing. But of course, I would be destroyed. But I'm, 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 I'm today. I'm hitting the ball harder, sixty-three to twenty-three, than than I was then. So it's just so. So I the um, the, the idea of of acting locally and making a difference locally part of that is about finding a team of people to do that with so that we can make you know norfolk is not the richest part of the uk uh, it's not the most populous part of the uk and, and east anglia to some degree as well but so it, it's it's I, I it's more about the projects and the 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 what they the learning from that and then the impact that you have that's that's always the thing that if I look back, that's that's the bit that makes fun. But, you know, I've, I've got a client who has declared a goal to be the CEO 
of a major city council within the next three years. And she's going to get there. And when she gets there, she will make an astonishing difference because she's just awesome. Um, that's, that's what kind of drives me back to, and I sound like I'm a nice person. I'm just deeply selfish, but. <laughs> <laughs> but you make better people out of it. So it's, it's not that selfish, I think. So, so if you had to give a book away, not your own, nine out of 10 times, what would that be? Without a question, I'd give away the inner game of tennis. It was Tim Tim Galway's first book, and arguably his most uh, simple, almost to the point of being poetic. And it, it it makes some wonderful distinctions, which is about how you manage the the internal game that is always being played out alongside the external game, which is whatever it is you're doing, or if it's tennis, you know, whatever the skills and the where your feet should be, but actually what's important is where your head is. And Tim talks about that simply and beautifully. And to the point where Bill Gates um, from Microsoft very recently, the last few days, posted a video on YouTube uh, extolling Tim's book as, as the best book that he'd ever read. Um, that's, 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 a that's actually, I, I made a note of in the beginning and that book, we, we're definitely going to put it on our reading list for, for the show as well. And I, I think I, I, I need a, need a copy of that as well. Um, so it's a joy to read, joy to read. It's a good, it sounds like a good read, uh, up here to Christmas time and in the holidays. Um, what is the if if is there one question you wish I've asked you, and what would that be, and what would you have answered? There isn't really the only question that my imagination gives me is what's next, and and, and the answer is um, is uh, I've I've I'll be rewriting the effective coaching book, I'll be rewriting the enabling genius book, and I'll be rewriting a book that. Um, or, or writing a book that I've been writing now for 30 years but hasn't seen the light of day, which is a book called The Sessions, which is, it takes place, it's a conversation between two people, it takes place in various Dublin pubs, and it, it plays out the enabling genius story, all of that. Uh, and that's wonderful fun. So those things are fun. The idea of working of working locally and having an impact locally, locally that's that's the thing that resonates the most. Less travel, good for the planet. Um, and have a different make a difference locally. That's absolutely a, a great uh, question and a great answer. Uh, where can people find out more about you and the work you do and connect with you if they're interesting to hear more? Uh, you, you'll find me on LinkedIn. So the name Miles is Miles with a Y, uh, Miles Downey, or my website is the obvious milesdowney.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Good. We'll put all that in the show notes so people can easily find that. Thank you so much for, for coming today and uh, sharing all your insights and learnings and wisdom around what you've learned working with some of the best leaders in a number of industries. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others, and the organization. Find them 
on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be Maverick! <laughs>